The day after Thanksgiving, also known as Black Friday, is one of my favorite days of the year. But probably not for the reason you're thinking. You probably think that I love the deals. I love to go out shopping and and buy a bunch of stuff. No, not at all. Uh, In fact, for that reason, I actually do not like Black Friday. I don't like crowds. I don't like traffic. And that's all there is on Black Friday. And when you go into the stores, by the time I finally get there, most of the stuff's gone anyways. Or at least the stuff that I would want. Unfortunately, this Black Friday, I found myself out and about because we need some household items. And let's be honest, Black Friday does have the best deals. So we were out shopping and and we were on our way home just after dinner time. And we turned onto our street and then I saw it. It was dark out and yet half of our street was lit with Christmas lights and decorations. And they weren't there earlier in the day. And I became very, very excited to the point where I, I actually sped down my road, pulled into the driveway, opened my garage, pulled out my Christmas tree and all the decorations and spent the rest of the night setting it up. You see, Black Friday is very exciting to me because now it finally becomes culturally acceptable to put up your Christmas decorations. You can put them up before Thanksgiving, but everyone kind of looks at you funny and and thinks that's not right. But everyone else was doing it, so it was time for me. I love Christmas decorations. I love the lights. I love sitting on the couch watching TV at night with just a Christmas tree on. It's great. That's what excites me about the Christmas season. How about you? What excites you about the Christmas season? Is it the lights and decorations like me? Maybe for you it's the 24 hours of Christmas music uh, that's on the radio. Maybe it's the fact that you get to bake all those Christmas cookies with your family. Maybe it's that you're going to spend Christmas with extended family that you haven't seen since last Christmas. What excites you about Christmas? Maybe, maybe it's the anticipation of things. Have you ever noticed that? As soon as Thanksgiving is over, what happens? Anticipation begins to grow, doesn't it? With each passing day, the anticipation gets more and more and more. And there are even Christmas songs on the radio that encourage such anticipation, right? You better watch out. You better not cry. You better not pout. I'm telling you why. Santa is coming to town. He's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out who's naughty or nice. Santa Claus is coming to town. It's exciting. In 20 days, gifts are going to be under the tree. And it's exciting. That's what everyone's anticipating, right? Did you know that Christmas anticipation has been around since Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve were the very first people to anticipate Christmas. And their anticipation was all thanks to the thrill of the hope that they had. God created Adam and Eve perfectly. And He placed them in the Garden of Eden. They had a perfect relationship with God and they had a perfect relationship with each other. They were able to do whatever they wanted. They experienced heaven on earth. God only had one rule for them. 
Don't eat from the tree that was in the middle of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And there are plenty of commentators who have many different theories as to why uh, the tree was put there in the first place. But probably the best one is this. It, It was their way of worshiping. As they walked past that tree every day, they were able to say, God, you are worth this much to me. I'm not going to eat from that tree. Well, we know what happened, don't we? Satan, demon possesses, he takes possession of a snake, talks to Eve, deceives her, she eats from the fruit, gives some to Adam, sins in the world. Death is in the world. And even worse, eternal separation from God is now a real thing. Adam and Eve sinned. And we are picking up the story today in Genesis chapter 3, right after they sinned, verse 8. Genesis says, Then the man and his wife, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? The unfortunate thing for Adam and Eve is that God knows when you're awake. God knows everything, doesn't He? He knows everything because He sees everything and He's everywhere. In theological terms, we have two big words to, to, uh, for, the, for this. It's omnipresent and omniscient. God is all-present and He's all-knowing. He knows all things. He knew Adam and Eve sinned. Don't think this was coincidental that God's walking through the garden on the same day that Adam and Eve just happened to sin. No. God knew it. And in the same way, don't think that God doesn't know where He's hiding. This is kind of like when you're playing hide-and-seek with your kids and you know exactly where, where they're at and yet you call out, Where are you? Adam knew where, or God knew where Adam was because God knows everything. But God was calling out to Adam. Why? He's giving Adam the chance to realize something's not right here. Why am I all of a sudden hiding from God? Because God knows when you're awake. He knows everything. And that's true for us too, isn't it? God knows what we do when we do it. Even when we think no one else sees it, God does. God sees even our thoughts. The Bible says as much. Psalm 139 says, You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. God knows when we're awake. And what's even worse is He knows when you've been bad, not good. Adam and Eve sinned. And here's what God says when Adam finally comes out. Adam answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. God knew 
what Adam and Eve had done. God knew they sinned. And we see that broken relationship here right away, don't we? And Adam admits that something is wrong. He says, I was hiding because I was naked. You see, Adam and Eve were experiencing something for the very first time. And it's something that's all co- too common for you and me. They were experiencing shame. For the first time, they were experiencing what it was like to stand before God totally unacceptable. Think about that. Up until this point, Adam and Eve were perfect. They never had a fight. They never had false motives. They never had a bad thought. They were completely perfect, able to stand before God face to face and talk with Him. They could hold His hand if they wanted to. But now, now they stand before God totally unacceptable. And instead of owning up to it, instead of confessing, admitting it, how do they deal with it? They blame everyone but themselves. Adam begins. Who does he blame first? He blames God, right? The woman you put here. You did this, God. I was fine by myself. And you insisted that I have this woman here. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have done this. Boy. That's a little contrasting from the end of chapter 2 when Adam sings a beautiful love song about Eve. And imagine how Eve felt. This is the very first words that she heard that were hurtful. Someone she trusted completely. But Eve doesn't take the blame either. She scoots right past it as she steps back and says, Well, the serpent, he deceived me. It wasn't my fault. God, if you just didn't let this serpent here, none of this would happen. Uh, You kind of see the dots, right? The serpent's here. You allowed it, God. Why did they not take the blame? Why did they want to scoot past it? Why did they not just man up, so to speak? Because deep down, they wanted to be acceptable to God. Deep down, they wanted to be right with God. They wanted to be loved by God. And they knew that God knew that they had been bad, not good. They knew that they were unacceptable to God and that they stood condemned and deserving of eternal separation, a.k.a. hell. No matter what they did, no matter how much the blame game they passed, God knew that they had been bad, not good. And the same is true for you and me. God sees the fights that we have with our spouse behind closed doors. He sees the bitterness that resides in our heart. He sees the resentment we have towards our spouse, our kids, towards God Himself. He knows those thoughts we have about our co-workers, the mean and hatred ones, or maybe the lustful ones. He knows everything about us. And when we take a step back and think about that, we know that we stand unacceptable before God on our own. As we stand naked before God and He sees everything about us, we know we can't stand before Him. 
And so how do we try to fix this problem? Well, we first try to start doing good things, right? We start trying to do good in the world and, and we throw on, we clothe ourselves with good works. We, we put the garments of faithfulness around us and say, God, look, I'm doing good. I'm worthy to be loved by You. And yet, God isn't fooled by outward actions. Remember, He knows all. Psalm 139 says, You perceive my thoughts from afar. And if God perceives our thoughts from afar, then He knows that we've been bad, not good. And when we realize that, how do we deal with it? The same way Adam and Eve. We start making excuses. We start passing the blame. Even to the point of blaming God Himself. You knew this would happen, God. Just don't put me in this situation. You knew this was going to happen. I'm with Eve. Why did you let the snake uh, be in the garden? Why did you let Satan be in the world? This is your fault, God, not mine. And what's at the heart of the blame game? God, we want to be right with You. God, we want to be accepted by You. God, we desire and crave Your love and it doesn't seem possible to have it happen because You know that I've been bad, not good. Though we have been bad, not good, God is good for Godness' sake. He's good for His own sake. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, they realized they were naked, they were shamed, they were ashamed, and what did they do? They sewed fig leaves together for clothes to hide themselves. And yet under that tree, God had a gift for them. We're told in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Under that tree, God gave them a new wardrobe. He gave them a new wardrobe that was more durable than theirs and far more expensive than what they were wearing. This, these clothes cost an animal's life. God had to put the first animal to death to make Garments of skin for them to wear. And yet God did it because He's good for God and His sake. But that wasn't the prize gift under the tree. That wasn't the big gift that was waiting under the tree that day. The big gift came in Genesis 3, verse 14 and 15. Eve points to the snake and says, Listen, this snake deceived me and I ate. And so how did God respond? So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Under the tree that day, God gave the gift of a promise. He gave the gift of hope. Think about it. Adam and Eve stood with their heads hung low, knowing that they were unacceptable, knowing that they deserved eternal separation from God. And yet, what did they hear? They heard 
Someone is going to come. And who's He going to come from? He's going to come from the line of the woman. And what's He going to do? He's going to crush Satan's head. He's going to destroy the devil's work. Adam and Eve knew what they did. And yet, God gave them a gift. They weren't deserving of it. It's not because they were worthy of it, but because God is good for Godness' sake. A thrill of hope. That's what they had. The thrill of knowing that someone was coming to destroy Satan's work, and that is Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what we celebrate on Christmas, isn't it? Jesus Christ, born into the world to destroy the devil's work. And when He was born, what did He do? He clothed us with His perfect life. He put His garments of righteousness around us. He he threw over our shoulders His garments of grace and we now stand before God completely acceptable because of Christ. We now stand before God and we don't have to fear. We we stand before God and we don't have to wonder, am I worthy to be here? We don't have to stand before God uh, feeling guilty, ashamed, self-conscious. None of that. Because of Christ. Because He, through His garments of His perfect life, around us. Because Jesus destroyed the devil's work. He crushed Satan's head. He utterly destroyed sin and He utterly destroyed death. And He flung heaven's gates open to you and me. So this Christmas, be excited. Be excited for baking cookies. Be excited for family to gather around. Be excited for the gift giving. Gifts are exciting. Be excited for it. Be excited about the decorations. But always remember what the most exciting part of Christmas is that the Savior was born into the world to destroy the devil's work. And so this Christmas, let everything around you remind you of that. Let the gift giving remind you of the gift that God gave so many years ago. The gift that He continues to give to you today. Jesus, born in Bethlehem. Let the the Christmas tree that is so full and green with leaves, reminds you of the tree that will one day be so bare that the Savior will hang from to destroy Satan's work. Let the the excitement of family get together and, and family celebrating Christmas together remind you that one day those who are dear to us will be near to us once more as we celebrate forever in heaven. Christmas is exciting. Christmas is thrilling. And that's because the Savior is born into the world. He wraps us in His garments of righteousness and He gives us hope. And hope is thrilling. Amen. Please stand. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank You for the greatest gift at Christmas and that gift is Jesus Christ our Savior. We ask this year to help us to keep the main thing the main thing and that is the hope that we have for heaven. Amen.